0: Freaking turkey vulture crashed through the window of Stephen A. Smith's office at ESPN. <laughs> I mean, sometimes a headline just writes itself, but I might as well, you know, add on here. This turkey vulture is all of us when Stephen A. chooses to call Dwayne Haskins more of a running quarterback. <laughs> this turkey vulture is all of us when Stephen A. thinks Hunter Henry is going to be the key to a Chargers victory when Hunter Henry's been hurt all year. <laughs> this turkey vultures all of us when Stephen A. suggests Le'Veon Bell should go to the Panthers as a receiver, after realizing he forgot about Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> anyway, welcome back to another edition of Prem Brulee, the number one podcast in your headphones. Don't ever get it twisted, don't ever play yourself. I am your host, Premo Bot, of... The Play Call Network. And without further ado, let's get started on our Yeah Fam or Nah, the headlines of the week. And first up is the NCAA tournament beginning and now having the Sweet 16 set after opening weekend. This tournament has been the chalkiest of chalk, which is good if you want that safe route in your bracket pool. Since we're all degenerates at this point in time, most of us are in some kind of bracket pool. So, Duke's region, the overall one seed, has a one, two, three, and four seed remaining. Gonzaga's region, same thing, the top four seeds remain. Virginia's region is the only one with somewhat of a Cinderella. It's got a one, two, three, and a 12 in Oregon. And UNC's region is a one, two, three, and five. A couple of things to note, this is the first time a first four team didn't win in the round of 64, so after winning their first four game in Dayton, did not win again. Another couple notes, the 12 seeds were 3-1 and one in the round of 64, the one win being Auburn over New Mexico in the Midwest region, that's uh, UNC's region, and uh, they won again making it to the Sweet 16. That's your only 5-seed remaining. Just like the tall seeds, the 10-seeds were 3-1, with the lone win coming from 7-seed Wofford in the Midwest region. All four 9-seeds won their matchups. A couple uh, notable players in their performances, Zion Williamson tied Kevin Durant for the most points by a freshman in their first two NCAA tournament games at 57. Ja Morant of Murray State is now eliminated, but... Did not go quietly and definitely helped his draft stock and then be a draft. He put up a triple double in Murray State's opening round win against Marquette and then followed it up in their loss with 28 points, five assists, four rebounds, and two steals against Florida State. Of course, the game everybody is talking about was Duke's narrow escape against UCF. Uh, we all know by now Zion Williamson forced taco fall the 7-6 behemoth of a man into his fifth and final foul and an and one with an opportunity to tie it at the free throw line he missed but uh, rj barrett was there for put back to put duke up one and then ucf proceeded to miss two great looks and really really close tip-ins to win the game in that game duke's freshman big three so williamson barrett And Cam Reddish scored 72 out of their team's 78 points. Wow. Nuts. So, yeah fam or nah, to the tournament that is the chalkiest of chalk. This might surprise people. I I know an NCAA tournament is all for the upsets, but I'm a yeah fam to this. You want to see a tournament-style reward the best teams. And these are the best teams playing. You have the tournament committee's top 12 teams All 1s, 2s, and 3 seeds made it to the Sweet 16. The lone Cinderella remaining is a 12 seed Oregon. It's a good place to be in. For college basketball, it'll help the competitive nature of the Sweet 16 matchups and the Elite 8 matchups in Weekend 2. So I dig it. And if you played it safe in your bracket pool, you're probably digging it right now too. If you have nothing invested, at least you might have some money in it. Okay. Three-time Super Bowl champ Rob Gronkowski announced his retirement after nine seasons with the Patriots. Gronk is due to turn 30, and the no-doubt future Hall of Fame tight end walks away from the game with his health and career, likely cut short from injuries taking a toll on his body. Gronk played in 115 regular season games, totaling 521 receptions for six over 7,800 yards. He played in 16 playoff games with 81 catches for 1,163 yards and 12 touchdowns. Those are all records for a tight end. He had 10 or more touchdown receptions in five seasons, also the most by tight end in NFL history. According to Elias Sports, Jim Brown and Gale Sayers are the only Hall of Famers that never played in their 30s. Rob Gronkowski will no doubt join an elite list with those two of course agent Drew Rosenhaus says never say never and Gronk really might not be done but if he does stay retired retired he would join a very elite list with Jim Brown and Gail Sears so my yeah fam or not is whether or not Gronk is a first ballot hall of famer yeah fam or not I'm a yeah fam to this and I think he should be I don't know whether tight ends will fall under the weird rules the Hall of Fame committee has against receivers. The travesty that they make receivers wait wait a couple years before they get in when they should be first ballot Hall of Famers. But Gronk deserves to be a first ballot. I could see it not happening, but I'm going to go with the YAFAM. If he stays retired in five years, he'll be elected into the Hall of Fame. And deservedly so. Now, if you want to talk about greatest tight end ever... Don't be disrespectful to Tony Gonzalez. Yes, Gronk was great and probably could have been better than Tony, but he cut his own career short. That's his choice to make, but also our choice to not call him the goat tight end. Also, above all, I'm a yeah fam, because hopefully it's the beginning of the end for the Patriots' reign. Sound that alert, baby. Fetty alert, Fetty alert, Fetty alert. Okay, last but not least for Jeff Ebernan this episode. So the NFL Competition Committee voted seven to one in favor of the NFL potentially adopting a fourth and fifteen rule. So those of you that have been watching the AAF, it's what they've been doing in their short history of their league. So the rule that owners would be voting on and needing twenty four out of thirty two owners to vote successfully to. Adopt it. The rule would state that a team could attempt a fourth and 15 play instead of attempting an onside kick. So that instead of attempting an onside kick to try to get the ball back while trailing late in the game, typically when they're trailing late in the game. So this comes at the heels of NS- NFL onside kick statistics being way down. In 2018, just 4 out of 52 onside kicks were recovered by the kicking team. That's good for 7.7%. In 2017, there were 12 successful onside kicks out of 57 attempts. That's good for over 20%. In the 10 years before 2018, the overall number is 69 successful onside kicks out of 566 attempted, which is good for 12.2%. So, 2018 was a crucial year because there are changes to special teams rules. There are no more running starts, uh, no stacking one side of the kicker or the other. Does does there need to be an alternative for onside kicks? And should it be this fourth and fifteen rule? I am a yeah fam to this. I know these traditionalists are gonna absolutely hate this shit, but traditionalists hate change, and they'll be passed by. I'm a fan of this. It makes games more exciting. It gives a team a real chance. 4th and 15 isn't a given from the defensive standpoint, but at least it's more of a given than fucking 7% or not even 8% success rate. Onside kicks are basically a death sentence. You kick it right to the other team and they recover it. At least a 4th and 15 puts it into a a little bit more into your hands. And still is an advantage for the defense. Again, you have to defend 15 yards, and if you do, you get the ball back in great field position just like you did recover an onside kick. But it keeps the game exciting. It makes you feel like you have a chance to the very end, and that's why I dig it. I'm a yeah, fam. The competition committee does need to look at a change, definitely. I don't think you'll even find traditionalists that have a problem with that. But I am a favor of this 4th and 15. Why not? Other than you, old soul traditionalists, not wanting any change, you get off my lawn types. All right, time for likey no likey, hate it. The good, the bad and the ugly from the weekend sports. and my likey is the big Ten basketball conference going seven and one in the first round in the NCAA tournament. The only loss was number five Wisconsin to now sweet 16 team Oregon. The seven wins ties the most wins by a conference. But with that, comes a no-likey. Heading into the Sweet 16, there are just three teams out of the Big Ten left. Michigan State, Michigan, and Purdue, who all happen to be the highest seeds of the Big Ten crop. Comparatively, the ACC has five teams out of the Sweet 16 left, and the SEC has four. However, fuck y'all for hating too much on my conference. They exceeded expectations. And the teams that got eliminated in the round of 32 were all lower seeds. Yet number six Maryland, number eleven Ohio State, number ten Minnesota, and number ten Iowa lose. Amongst that group was one matchup where two Big Ten schools played each other. That was Michigan State beating Minnesota. Yeah, sound that alert. I don't care. Teddy alert. Teddy alert. Betty alert. For the record, are you dumbass? Fans who root only for a conference, no, I won't be mo- rooting for Michigan. Be lying if I said I didn't want the Big Ten to show out well to make it seem more competitive, but I can't root for Michigan. Meanwhile, you fucking SEC fans root left and right for your conference even when it's not tournament style. You played yourselves. My first hate it goes to the Golden Snake Warriors getting 50 wins in their sixth straight season. Can you even get to 50 wins if none of them count? Petty alert. Petty alert. Petty alert. This is your reminder that the Golden Snake Warriors have zero championships since the King Snake Kevin Durant joined them. Don't ever forget it. Petty alert. Petty alert. Petty alert. Yes, please. Heavy Petty Alert. Another one. Petty alert. Petty alert. Petty alert. Okay, I need to address something. Public health is very near and dear to my heart. And I saw something very alarming from Washington quarterback Colt McCoy, who drinks a gallon of raw milk every day. Ugh. Are you fucking kidding me? You guys, do me a favor and look up the dangers of raw milk. If you guys didn't know... Raw milk means you're essentially drinking it straight from the cow before they treat it. You're getting milk from the store, that's not raw milk. However, let me tell you what happens if you drink raw milk. So raw milk is milk that hasn't been pasteurized to kill all the harmful bacteria that can live inside any animal that you're getting the milk from. It can carry dangerous germs that cause foodborne illness like Salmonella, E. coli, and Campylobacter just to name a few. Are you fucking kidding me? How has this guy survived? Like, I feel like evolution should have taken care of this. Wow! You can't be drinking this much raw milk. Are you fucking kidding me? And don't you dare blame it on him being from Texas or some shit like that. Do your homework, college-educated man. Get the fuck out of here. Drinking raw milk by the gallon load every day. Disgusting. You would be ashamed of yourself, Colt. <laughs> Ew. Okay, that's a nice segue into my favorite section that's You Played Yourself. My first You Played Yourself goes to NCAA March Madness Cinderella's. Yes, it's sad to say we all love a good upset. We all love our Loyolas or our UMBCs or our George Masons of the world. However, 2019 said, fuck you, Cinderella, and just tossed the shoe away. So teams from non-major conferences... And potential feel-good stories, disappointed. Uh, One of the more promising teams, uh, one of the top offenses in the country, number six, Buffalo, lost to Texas Tech by 20 points. The last hope for Cinderella was number 13, UC Irvine. The Anteaters got beat by a major conference team, the Oregon Ducks, who are a 12 seed, which theoretically should have been a good chance to win a 13 playing a a 12, but here we are. They got throttled. By a major conference team and not even a good major conference this year. So, you played yourself, Cinderella. The next you played yourself goes to the Big Baller brand. So, uh, this is kind of serious shit and not exactly meant for comedy here at this point. So, one of Big Baller brand's co-founders, Alan Foster. If you watched Ball and the Family on Facebook, he was pretty much present in every episode don't know why you would have watched it, but anyway. <laughs> you can look up a picture of him. He's in pretty much every Triple B picture. That doesn't include LeVar's dumbass. But anyway, Alan Foster reportedly could not account for $1.5 million from Lonzo Ball's personal and business accounts. Lonzo Ball has cut ties with Big Baller brand and Foster. I'm und- it's also been made clear that Lonzo was made unaware of Foster's criminal past back in 2002 Foster was sentenced to more than seven years in prison after pleading guilty to one count of mail fraud and two counts of money laundering as a part of a scheme that defrauded 70 investors of 4 million dollars this was according to federal court records obtained by ESPN this You Played Yourself mostly goes to LeVar and Alan Foster. They trusted this Foster, but all they've done is ruined three kids. They fucked Lonzo Ball out of millions of dollars from shoe endorsement companies. They ruined Leangelo's college career at UCLA by yanking him out and having him play in some small-ass country in a rec league, a glorified rec league, where they were able to put up 60 points a game, he and his brother, and might have ruined LaMelo Ball's college eligibility. And LaMelo is actually good in rising the ranks of recruiting. With this You Played Yourself goes the opposite. I'm glad for Lonzo Ball for taking control of his own destiny. It, he's kind of been dropping hints that he's joining Nike. So um, good for him for realizing it and trusting people that probably are more worth of it, worthy of his trust. Okay, I feel like I had to address this one because it's been the hot topic of the week since everybody saw it on national TV, but this you played yourself goes to people doing too much regarding Tom Izzo yelling at his freshman forward, Aaron Henry. Listen, I get it. The wagging, the finger in the face rubbed you the wrong way. But fucking seriously? Coach is coach. And newsflash, Tom Izzo has a pretty damn good history of players loving playing for him. This dude genuinely loves his players, And you think an isolated incident where a player messed up and got chewed out is a problem? I mean, what the fuck are we doing if this is too much for some people? Your kid can't get coached? He or she is too too good to be told that they're fucking up? Good luck with your kid living with you forever then. Life might not be too kind to them living in this fucking fantasy world where you expect them not to be critiqued ever in their life. This man, Tom Izzo has been in Aaron Henry's home, recruiting him and speaking with his family. Do you think they have a problem with this coaching if they agreed to send their kid to Tom Izzo's school, basically spending extended time with this coach and trusting him? Do you think they have a problem with this track record of turning boys into accountable men and some into very successful pro players at that? People have the audacity of being up in arms about, th- about this shit acting like Izzo doesn't keep the same energy year in and year out. It's not like he just chose to chew out his player when the lights were on and the cameras are rolling. If you want a good indication of why you guys, who are hypersensitive, played yourselves, just go to any social media of any Spartan basketball player, past or present, who's defending the actions of Coach Izzo. Meanwhile, you guys are butthurt over some shit you don't understand. You get coached. You get yelled at. That's part of the game. You saw other players defusing the situation. Why do you think that fucking is? Probably because they know Izzo well enough that they can do that. hes They're empowered. I'm all for being sensitive to certain things. But we're going to act like a kid can't get coached or yelled at? That's where I draw the line. You just can't do it. Why do you have such an issue with the dude being yelled at? Sure, there's ways to accomplish it without that happening, but sometimes when you're in the heat of battle, that fucking happens. Newsflash. Wow. You played yourself goes to the NFL. They are looking to pass a change in replay rules, now allowing pass interference to be reviewable. You know who doesn't fucking care about that right now? The New Orleans Saints, who didn't get a chance to be in the Super Bowl. They've since said that would have been reviewable and been able to be called. And also, the Brandon Cooks play in the Super Bowl, getting pass interfered that didn't get called, would have also been called and reviewable and given the Rams the ball at the 1. You played yourself, NFL. Also, this is as good of a time as any to remind everybody that Dez caught it. Dez fucking caught it. Ready alert, ready Alert, ready Alert. Okay, last but not least on You Played Yourself, Kyrie Irving. Why does this dude keep fighting himself on this part of my podcast week in and week out? I have no fucking idea. So first it started with Kyrie Irving when asked if it still means something to go back to Cleveland. His answer was, quote, no, not at all, end quote okay sick sick like it would just be too fucking easy for you to answer a layup question in a way that doesn't piss people off it'd be too fucking easy to say quote yes it'll always be a special place to me it was a team that took a chance on me in a city where i earned my ring end quote was that so fucking hard for you Kyrie? flat earth irving I don't understand why you make this so hard on yourself Then you complain about the press because you can't answer a simple question. I'm undefeated, never lost. I'm just some small with the podcast and I know better than you. You're a fucking millionaire. It's your job to answer questions and you can't fucking do that right and then complain about it. The irony. Oh, and it doesn't stop there. So the Celtics recently lost to the Hornets 124 to 117. Kyrie Irving after the game said, quote, we probably should have trapped Kemba Walker more like every other team does in the league, but we didn't. He tortures us every time we play them, so it's no surprise. End quote. So Kemba Walker scored 18 points in the fourth quarter during a 30-5 to Hornets run, leading to their victory, obviously. We can't just be an idiot yourself. Now you have to call out essentially your coach, because that's what you did by having that quote. But here's the thing. He's calling out his coach for something he had a fucking say in. Kemba Walker plays what position? Point guard. What does Kyrie Irving play? You fucking guessed it. Point guard. (laughs) How about if he's fucking torching you, you do something to stop it? Like, there's no doubt in my mind Kyrie's gone from Boston. I, don't, I think Boston even knows it by now. But this dude is so fucking bad at handling the press. I'm undefeated, never lost. He complains about their role, yet makes the easiest fucking questions difficult for himself. And then he hurts public perception each time he incorrectly answers a fucking easy question. I don't get this dude. It's not fucking hard, man. Just answer questions like every other player does. This dude's so good, he doesn't need to watch film of himself. Maybe he just needs to watch fucking film of post-game press conferences. Because he's fucking atrocious. On that note, it's time for who you got and what you feeling. Last week's picks, I kept it March Madness related. I talked about the best matchup in the field of 64. And I, of course, picked in the West region, number 12 Murray State versus number 5 Marquette. It was two of the top scorers in the country, John Morant versus Marcus Howard. The other matchup I picked because of storyline was number seven Louisville versus number ten Minnesota. Of course, you had fired former fired Louisville coach Rick Pitino's son, Richard coaching for Minnesota against his dad's former team. Minnesota ended up winning 8676. And that Murray State versus Marquette game did not disappoint. I mentioned earlier John Morant. Dropped a triple-double, 17 points, 16 assists, and 11 boards. While Marcus Howard had 26 points leading the game. My other pick was teams below a 3 seed that could make a splash. So, I mean, hit Owen Wilson here. Wow. I played myself. I totally missed on all these. The chalkies of chalk pretty much made it so. But... I deserve a Kawhi for that. (laughs) I talked about Buffalo being a top offense in the country. Of course, I mentioned Florida State. That was the only one I hit on. I mentioned Kansas State, number four seed, who lost to UC Irvine, and then I talked about number seven seed Cincinnati, who was underseeded, playing two hours from home in Columbus, and then lost to Iowa. So I played myself, and this week I kept it simple. With my final four picks, of course we know the 16 teams remaining, after the weekend we will have our final four set, and my picks for the final four heading to Minnesota are Duke, Tennessee, UNC, and Gonzaga. Three ones and a two are my selection, we'll see how it goes, we'll see what the result ends up being, but... That's what I'm going to go with. I like the teams that have escaped close games already and dealt with some adversity. So if I were to be not confident in one of those, maybe Gonzaga is the one because they've pretty much handled business in their two games. Duke, Tennessee, and UNC have all been through the ringer. Duke surviving their game against UCF. Tennessee withstanding a furious Iowa comeback down 25 and winning in overtime and UNC kind of having a scare in the first half of their opening round game. So, um, my final four picks, again, Duke, Tennessee, UNC, and Gonzaga. As for what I'm feeling this week, I got to go with Rich the Kid's new album, The World Is Yours Too. It is full of slappers and flaming cake jams. Highly recommended if you're a hip-hop fan. Also, Nav's album is out. That's a good, easy listen, so... Highly recommend it and looking forward to Khalid's new album coming soon. So a little music related what I'm feeling for this episode. As for my too much sense this week, it has to do with keeping in touch. So I've gone over this before, so I'll I'll choose not to reiterate it. But instead, my suggestion for you number one podcast listeners for this week is to... Connect with someone you haven't talked to in a while. And do more than just saying we should hang out sometime. Make concrete plans with them. It does the soul good. It does good for your maintaining relationships to actually see the person instead of just texting them. Texting people when you think of them is a cardinal principle of your boy's life, but Strive this week to make plans with someone that you've been putting off making concrete plans with. That's my too much sense for the week. Feeling inspired to do that with catching up with old friends. So, wanted to pass that on to you. Your number one podcast listeners. And on that note, that wraps up another edition of Prem Brulee. The number one podcast in your headphones. Don't ever get it twisted. Don't ever play yourself. As always... Please share this episode, leave a review on, on Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to a podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. Share this episode with a friend, tell that friend to share it with another. We appreciate it here at the Play Call Network. And please be sure to subscribe and check out the other pod- wonderful podcasts at the Play Call Network. And we will talk to you next time.